Hi there. Let's continue with chapter 41. Let Alexander terrify with threats men who wish for wealth and who dread death. Against the Brahmins, his weapons are powerless. We neither love gold nor fear death. Go then and tell Alexander this. Dandamis has no need of hoard that is yours and therefore will not go to you and if you any if you want anything from Dandamis, come you to him. Once Kritos duly conveyed the message, Alexander listened with close attention and felt a stronger desire than ever to see Dandamis who, though old and naked, was the only antagonist in whom he, the conqueror of many nations, had met more than his match. Alexander invited to Texila a number of Brahmin ascetics noted for their skill in answering philosophical questions with pithy wisdom. An account of the verbal skirmish is given by Plutarch. Alexander himself framed all the questions. Which be the more numerous, the living or the dead? The living for the dead or not? Which breeds the larger animals, the sea or the land? The land, for the sea is only part of the land. Which is the cleverest of beasts? That one with which man is not yet acquainted. Man fears the unknown. Which existed first, the day or the night? The day was first by one day. This reply caused Alexander to betray surprise. The Brahmin added, impossible questions require impossible answers. How best may a man make him beloved? A man will be beloved if possessed with great power. He still does not make himself feared. How many? How may a man become a god? By doing that which it is impossible for a man to do. Which is stronger, life or death? Life, because it bears so many evils. Alexander succeeded in taking out of India as his teacher a true yogi. This man was Kalyana, Swami Spines, called Kalanos by the Greeks. The sage accompanied Alexander to Persia. On his dated day at Susa in Persia, Kalonus gave up his aged body by entering a funeral pyre in view of the whole Macedonian army. The historians record the astonishment of the soldiers as they observed that the yogi had no fear of pain or death. He never once moved from his position and he was consumed in the flames. Before leaving for his cremation, Kalonos had embraced many of his close companions but had refrained from bidding farewell to Alexander, to whom the Hindu sage had merely remarked, I shall see you later in Babylon. Alexander left Persia and a year later died in Babylon. The prophecy had been the Indian Guru's way of saying that he would be present with Alexander in life and death. The Greek historians have left us many vivid and inspiring pictures of Indian society. Hindu law, Aryan tells us, protects the people and ordains that no one among them shall under any circumstances be a slave, 
but that enjoying freedom themselves they shall respect the equal right to it that all men possess the indians states another text neither put out money at usury nor know how to borrow it is contrary to established practice for the indians to do or to suffer a wrong therefore they neither make contracts nor require securities healing we are told was by simple and natural means cures are effected rather by regulating diet than by the use of medicines the remedies most esteemed are ointments and plasters all others are considered to be in great measure pernicious engagement in war was restricted to the kshatriyas or warrior caste nor would an enemy come coming upon a husband man to at work on his land do him any harm for men of this class are regarded as public benefactors and are protected from all injury the land thus remaining unravaged and producing heavy crops supplies the inhabitants with the requisites to make life enjoyable the ubiquitous legions shrines of mysore are a constant reminder of the many great saints of south india one of these masters tayu manavar has left us the following challenging poem you may control a mad elephant you may shut the mouth of the bear and the tiger ride the lion and play with the cobra by alchemy you may earn your livelihood you may wander through the universe incognito make vassals of the god be ever youthful you may walk on water live in fire but control of the mind is better and more difficult in the beautiful and fertile state of travancore in the extreme south of india where traffic is conveyed over rivers and canals the maharaja assumes every year a hereditary obligation to expiate the sin incurred by wars and the annexation in the distant past of several petty states to travancore for 56 days annually the maharaja visits the temple thrice daily to hear vedic hymns and recitations the expiation ceremony ends with the lakshadeepam or illumination of the temple by a hundred thousand lights madras presidency on the south east coast of india contains the flat spacious secret city of madras and kanjivaram the golden city capital site of pallava dynasty whose kings ruled during the early centuries of the christian era in modern modern madras presidency the non violent ideals of mahatma gandhi have made great headway the white distinguishing gandhi caps are seen everywhere in the south generally the mahatma has effected many important temple reforms for untouchables as well as caste system reforms the origin of the caste system formulated by the great leg- legislator manu was admirable he saw clearly that men are distinguished by natural evolution into four great classes those capable of offering so service to the society through their bodily labor sudras 
those who serve through mentality skill agriculture trade commerce business life in general vaishyas those who whose talents are administrative executive and protective rulers and warriors kshatriyas those of contemplative nature spiritually inspired and inspiring brahmans neither birth nor sarkamans nor study nor ancestry can decide whether a person is twice born that is a brahman the mahabharata declares character and conduct only can decide manu instructed society to show respect to its members in so far as they possessed wisdom virtue age kinship or lastly wealth riches in vedic india were always despised if they were hoarded or unavailable for charitable purposes ungenerous men of great wealth were assigned the low rank in the society inclusion in one of these four castes originally depends not on a man's birth but on his natural capacities as demonstrated by the goal in life he elected to archive achieve writes tara mata in east west on january 1935 this goal could be kama desire activity of the life of the senses sudra stage artha gain fulfilling but controlling the desires vaishya stage dharma self discipline the life of responsibility and right action chakra stage moksha liberation the life of spirituality and religious teaching brahman stage these four states render service to humanity by body mind will power spirit these four stages have their correspondence to the eternal gunas or qualities of natures tamas rajas and sattva obstruction activity and expansion or mass energy intelligence the four natural castes are marked by the gunas tamas ignorance tamas rajas mixture of ignorance and activity rajas sattva mixture of right activity and enlightenment and sattva enlightenment thus has nature marked every man with his caste by the predominance in himself of one or the mixture of two of the gunas of course every human being has all three gunas in varying proportions the guru will be able rightly to determine a man's man's caste or evolutionary status to a state certain extent all races and nations observe in practice if not in theory the features of caste when there is a great license or so called liberty particularly in intermarriage between extremes in the natural caste the race dwindles away and becomes extinct the purana samhita compares the offspring of such unions to barren hybrids like the mule which is incapable of propagation of its own species artificial species are eventually exterminated history offers abundant proof of numerous great races that no longer have any living representatives the caste system of india is incredited is credited by her most profound thinkers with being the check or preventive against license that has preserved the purity of race and brought it safely through millenniums of vicissitudes while many other ancient races have completely vanished his formal title was swami shri sadashivendra saraswati 
under which he wrote his books commentaries on brahma sutras and patanjali yoga sutras the late shankaracharya of shringeri math his holiness shri satchinananda shivabana narasimha bharati wrote an inspiring ode to sadashiva Serious evils arose when the caste system became hardened through the centuries into a hereditary halter. India, self-governing since 1947, is making slow but sure progress in restoring the ancient values of caste based solely on natural qualifications and not on birth. Every nation on earth has its own distinctive misery producing karma to deal with and honorably remove india with her versatile and invulnerable spirit is proving herself equal to the task of caste reformation so entering in southern india that mr right and i earn to prolong our idol but time in its immemorial immemorial rudeness dealt us no courteous extensions I was scheduled soon to address the concluding session of India Indian Philosophical Congress at Calcutta University. At the end of the visit to Mysore, I enjoyed a talk with Sir C. V. Raman, President of Indian Academy of Sciences. This brilliant Hindu physicist was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1930 for the Raman effect, his important discovery in the diffusion of light. Waving a reluctant farewell to the crowd of Madras students and friends, Mr. Wright and I set on our travels. On the way, we stopped before a little shrine sacred to the memory of Sadashiva Brahman, in whose 18th century life story miracles clustered thickly. A larger Sadashiva shrine at Nerur, erected by the Raja of Pudukote, is. a pilgrimage spot that has witnessed many divine healings the successive rulers of pudukote have tre- treasured as sacred the religious instructions that sadashiva wrote in 1750 for the guidance of the reigning prince many quaint stories of sadashiva a lovable and fully illumined master are still current among south indian villagers immersed one day in samadhi on a bank of the kaveri river sadashiva was seen to be carried away by a sudden flood weeks later he was found buried deep beneath a mound of earth near kodumundi in coimbatore district as the villagers shovel struck his body the saint rose and walked briskly away Sadashiva became a muni non speaking saint after this guru had rebuked him for bursting verse, in dialectical argument an elderly vedanta scholar when will you a youth learn to hold your tongue the guru had remarked with your blessings even from this moment sadashiva's guru was swami shri paramashivendra saraswati author of daravidya prakshika and a profound commentary of uttara gita certain worldly men affronted because the god intoxicated sadashiva was often to be seen dancing without decorum on the streets carried their complaints to his learned guru sir they declared sadashiva was no better than a madman but 
Parma Shivendra smiled joyfully. Oh, he exclaimed, if only others had such madness. Sadashiva's life was marked by many strange and beautiful manifestations of the intervening hand. Much seeming injustice there is in this world, but God's devotees can testify to countless instances of his immediate righteousness. One night, Sadashiva in Samadhi halted near the granary of a rich householder. Three servants on the lookout for thieves raised their sticks to strike the saint. Lo, their arms were immobilized. Like statues, their arms aloft. The trio stood in unique tableau under the departure of Sadashiva at dawn. On another occasion, the great masters was roughly pressed into service by a passing foreman whose laborers were carrying fuel. The silent saint humbly bore his burden to the required destination and there placed his load on top of a huge pile. The whole heap of fuel at once burst into flames. Sadashiva, like Trilangaswami, wore no cloth. One morning, the nude yogi absentmindedly entered the tent of a Muslim chieftain. Two ladies screamed in alarm. The warrior dealt a savage sword thrust at Sadashiva, whose arm was severed. The master departed unconcernedly. Overcome by awe and remorse, the Muslim picked up the arm from the floor and followed Sadashiva. The yogi quietly inserted his arm into the bleeding stump. When the chieftain humbly asked for some spiritual instruction, Sadashiva wrote with his finger in the sands, Do do not do what you want, and then you may do what you like. The Muslim was uplifted to a purified state of mind and understood the paradoxical advice to be a guide to soul freedom through mastery of the ego. So great, so great was the spiritual impact of those few words that the warrior became a worthy disciple. His former horns knew him no more. The village children once expressed a desire in Sadashiva's presence to see the Madhura religious festivals 150 miles away. The yogi indicated to the little ones that they should touch his body. Lo, instantly the whole group was transported to Madhura. The children wandered happily among the thousands of pilgrims. In a few hours, the yogi brought the small charges home by his simple mode of transportation. The astonished parents listened to vivid tales about the procession of images in Madhura and noticed that the children were carrying bags of Madhura sweets. And an incredulous youth derided the saint and the story. On the occasion of the next religious festival held in Sri Rangam, the boy approached Sadashiva. Master, he said scornfully, why don't you take me to the festival in Sri Rangam, even as you took the other children to Madhura? Sadashiva compiled. The boy immediately found himself among the distant city throng. But alas, where was the saint when the youth wanted to leave? The weary boy reached his home by the prosaic method of foot locomotion. Before leaving South India, Mr. Wright and I made a pilgrimage to the holy hill of Arunachala near Tiruvannamalai to meet Sri Ramana Maharishi. 
At his ashram, the sage welcomed us affectionately and pointed to a nearby stack of East-West magazines. During the hours that we spent with him and his disciples, he was mostly silent, his gentle face radiating divine love and wisdom. To help suffering humanity regain its forgotten state of perfection, Sri Ramana teaches that one should constantly ask himself, Who am I? The great inquiry indeed. By stern rejection of all other thoughts, the devotee soon finds himself going deeper and deeper into the true self and the side-tracking bewilderments of other thoughts cease to arise. The illumined Rishi of South India has written, Dualities and trinities on something do hang. Supportless they never appear. That support searched for, they loosen and fall. There is the truth, whose ease that never wavers. So here ends the chapter 41. Thanks for listening.